Hello everyone, it is really nice to see you. My name's Paul and I'm the new member of staff here at Carrot Focus Vineyard. It is it's wonderful to be back. It's so, so good to be here with us all. And uh, I want to say uh, just a couple of things before I hand over to Kate. Uh, first of all, is just simply thank you. Thank you to you all for uh, allowing us to go off uh, for an extended period to sabbatical and to Sabbath for a significant season and time. Thanks to the board for making it all happen and for allocating some budget to help us with some of the things that we have been able to do over the summer. I want to give a special thanks uh, to our staff and especially to Kate who's uh, about to speak who has really led well. I know we were very, very uh, assured that she would, uh, but it, uh, it has it's been a lot for her and she's done a great job, I'm sure that you'll agree. So massive thanks. Chantelle is, uh, is in England. She has uh, just started her second year of her diploma, uh, postgraduate diploma in theology. She is in the thick of it uh, through multiple lectures over these next few days, which is why she's not with us this morning, but she sends her love to you, and uh, you'll see her next week. And uh, just simply to say, just briefly, you, you'll probably hear lots about our time away. You'll probably get sick of it over the weeks. You know how I tend to talk about certain things a lot and like the chosen and mountains and running and boring brilliant things but you probably get bored of them so you're going to hear lots and lots over the coming weeks but but just briefly to say it was a brilliant time off we have rested well we have received from some fantastic people and from the holy spirit and it has been to us what we needed. And um, in particular, uh, the highlight has to be uh, most of July, we were away in New Zealand, being able to see our eldest Sam. And I didn't think this would happen, eh? As a family, it was amazing. It was just for the five of us to be together in that incredible place, um, just so life-giving and enriching to us, individually, all of us, but collectively as a family, it was so good and so what we needed and so grateful to the Lord. So you'll hear all about it as uh, the weeks go by. But uh, listen, thank you. We're going to kind of break ourselves in slowly over September. Um, you'll not see lots of us here at the front, uh, but from October, as we move, and we are super excited about moving uh, to Carrick Focus Academy School as of the first Sunday in October, that will give us loads of space and loads of opportunity to step into what we sense God has for us in the next season of the life of Carrick Vineyard. So bless you and thank you. Over to Kate. This is symptomatic of my day. So when I got here, Hannah was like, your slides aren't working. Uh, then my talk wouldn't load, and now I've just hit myself in the face with the mic. So really, I feel like Jenny said it all. So I'm just gonna go home, is that okay? Yeah, is that, 
So Hannah and I have cobbled together some slides, but you're going to have to do a bit of work, um, maybe looking up the Bible passages you know in the Bible. Shocker, but um, we'll get there eventually. And I have now managed to find my talk, so panic over my tooth, though I'll speak to Nathan or Philip or something after uh, about that. So um, I grew up moderately going to church, and I know this because it was documented. Um, as a child, every time we went to church, we had a card that was stamped, and then at the end of the year, those stamps were tooled up and converted to prizes, kind of like the loyalty cards in cafes. Um, can't believe the Presbyterian Church was before cafe loyalty cars, but anyway. Um, and as my family was not as dedicated to going to church as other people, at the end of the year, I never received a first prize um, for attendance, and that was a high ticket prize, a book voucher, um, choose your own prize. But I think I would have been disappointed because I'm not sure the Faith Mission Bookshop um, stocked Nancy Drew books. So um, one year as a second prize, note second prize, I got a Bible. How is a Bible second prize in a church competition? Um, which really wasn't very interesting to me at the age of 11. I wanted the Nancy Drew book. But um, so while Paul and Chantal were away, I thought it would be a good idea to boost our church attendance over the summer and bring back that League of Church loyalty card to be traded in for prizes, which you can pick up from Paul and Chantal at the end of the service. Anyone get the Tesla? Enough for the Tesla? No, no, okay. Um, so 30 to 40 years on, some people are still interested in church attendance numbers. An Evangelical Alliance report back in 2021 found that a large proportion of church members, 24% to, um, to be exact, had reduced the regularity of their in-person church attendance from weekly to once or twice a month. And in April 2023, the Church of England published research that found that a quarter of their churches don't hold weekly services anymore, and that weekly attendance figures had dropped by 20%. And we can put this down to lockdowns and a blip for a few years, but that blip is becoming more normal. We know that COVID really shook up how we lived our lives. It opened us up to new ways of living and working. I need, now I see the Hermes driver more than I see my closest friends, to the point where I'm saying, do you want to come round for Sunday lunch, you know? And things have changed. And we probably are still trying to do the same thing that we did before COVID, but it doesn't seem to be connecting in the same way. And I sort of see that COVID has been a bit like Elon Musk. And you maybe don't know this, but I have a master's in innovation. I don't re recognize why I have one, but I have one nonetheless. But and one of the things I learned about innovators was that they tend to be crazy, irritating, weird people who haven't passed the annoying stage of why? Um, that toddler stage that everyone loves. and. Elon Musk works by this principle he um, got from Aristotle called first principle. He takes something and challenges the foundational assumptions about it. And that's what I believe COVID started. It took the foundational principles of our faith in Jesus and challenged it. One being, why do I go to church? And it could be tempting to get stuck in trying to solve it. Um, 
you know, what we think is the problem in front of us. Let's brainstorm about how we can get people packed to church. My cousin who works in HR is putting on pizza Fridays to encourage people to come back to work in the office. But that's not going to address the deeper reasons for why people want to work from home, annoying work colleagues, commuting, work-life balance. So sadly, I don't think we are going to bring back the church loyalty card so you can just put them back in your pocket again. And these next four weeks, we're going to look, we're going to be looking at the values of our church of Carrickfergus Vineyard. Does anybody know them? I want to shout them out. Compassion, yep. Connection, very good. Community, well done, Alan. And that's the one I'm going to talk about today. Uh, it's as if we planned it. Um, and Alexander Venter, um, one of the, I don't know, patriarchs, if you like, of the vineyard movement, compared values to the foundations of a building on which everything else is built. The depth, dimension, quality and integrity of foundations will determine the size, stability and limits of the building. They are the guiding principles which help us make decisions and evaluate what we're doing. They determine what is non-negotiable and important as opposed to what is urgent and flexible. Values aren't ministries or projects, they make up who we are. They aren't biblical doctrine or beliefs, but they arise from and are formed by them. They aren't the gospel, but they should reflect it. And I like to think of values like the word portrush in a stick of seaside rock. If you cut that rock anywhere, you should still see the word at the core of the rock. No matter what part of our church you encounter, whether it's reach or kids or rise or you go up to the allotment, these values should be evident. And these aren't values that just the staff or someone on a team live out. If you call this place home, you're saying that these values match your values and you will live them out as well. So as we said, one of the values is community. And we're going to look a bit at that today. And the church's value statement about community, which should be on a slide, but is not because life got a wee bit messy this morning, um, says, we love to share life together and facilitate authentic community where we can journey li life's ups and downs. Our community environments include life groups, events, parties, any excuse to have fun together. The foundational assumptions of why we gather together as a, as a church is being shaken, has been shaken by COVID. And one journalist wrote, where office working and high street shopping led, Christianity followed, it stayed at home. So what we're gonna be looking at today is gathering together essential. Why should we gather? And what does it look like when we do? So where do we all go with this? Well, we go to a passage in scripture that Tim Mackey describes as the foundation story of the church, and it's found in Acts 2, so you can start your engines running by looking that up. And we need to re-examine the first principles um, of the church. And I love how N.T. Wright puts it, um, and we do have this quote. Um, where the church today finds itself stagnant, unattractive, humdrum and shrinking, it's time to read Acts 2, 42 to 47 again. Get down on our knees and ask what isn't happening that should be happening. The gospel hasn't changed. God's power hasn't diminished. People still need rescuing. 
what are we going to do about it? And this challenging isn't just to be annoying or smug or just to have the, um, just do it for the sake of it. This is humbly submitting to God, opening ourselves up and asking him for his thoughts and intentions. Last week, um, Jeff, who um, was speaking and was brilliant last week, said that his speaking style was a bit like free-form jazz. Well, Jeff is way cooler than me. Mine is a bit like Jive Bunny and the Master Mixers, if anyone over 40 remembers them. They did a Radio 1 roadshow in Carrick, I remember going to, that Bruno Brooks was hosting. So for all you guys sitting there, you're like, what is she talking about? But he was really cool on Radio 1 back in the day. Um, and they used to take great songs and mash them together. And you would be, and you'd sort of get to the stage where you thought, I'd be better just listening to the original song than your mix. And in one of my Vineyard College um, leadership model modules we were looking at like teaching and preaching and how sometimes newbies like myself pour everything into their talks like three talks in one and I'm trying really hard not to do that but my inner jive bunny is probably going to come out a wee bit um, today because there's so much good stuff in Acts 2 that I'm like so keen to share it with you. So um, I hope you will take something away and go and look at it and go and listen to the original yourself. Um, so if we turn to our Bibles to Acts 2, I'm going to read verses 42 to 47. But we are going to look at different parts of it as well. So all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those most in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the good will of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So in Acts 2, we are told of the empowering of the followers of Jesus through the arrival of the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus had promised. And this was witnessed by a busy Jerusalem full of locals and people from lots of different nations who were in town for the celebration of the Jewish feast of Pentecost. With the power of the Holy Spirit upon him, Peter steps forward to preach the gospel. And at the end of the day, Acts 2.41 tells us that 3,000 people believed the gospel, were baptized and started to follow the way of Jesus. For these 3,000 people who heard and responded to the gospel, who were filled with the Holy Spirit and were baptized, this was a life-changing counter. And what was their response? It was to gather, to be together. All the believers were together. And that's most people's response when something life-changing is taking place. We want to gather with others, especially others who have had similar experiences. And there's a relief in finding out that you're not on your own, that someone sh um, shares your experience. And if it's positive, there is a joy in sharing your excitement. 
And I remember my first night away from uni, um, or night away from home at uni in Coleraine, and a group of us from the same floor and halls decided to go to the Students' Union together. We were from all different backgrounds. One of the girls had never heard of a 15, like, and she was from Tyrone. You're going, what is going on in Tyrone? Um, and it, we were all together experiencing this new thing. And we were nervous, excited, and curious about how this new stage of life was going to go. And as we walked, I chatted to a girl who was also called Kate. And she chatted about ho how cold she was because she had been in Argentina last year, or the previous year. And as she chatted, I thought, could she be? Is she? And so I said, are you a Christian? And she said yes, and I was like, me too. And we started jumping up and down, excited that we weren't on our own, that we had found another person who could understand um, uh, understand each other and um, the experience of being in halls together. But I believe it isn't just a human need to share our experiences and be understood that causes people to gather. The gospel, as one writer put it, saves us in the community. And a huge emphasis of evangelical Christianity has been on personal salvation, knowing Jesus as our personal saviour, our quiet times, our journey, our calling. And don't misunderstand me, we need to make an individual decision to follow Jesus. As Peter points out to the crowd in Acts 2, 38, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. A personal relationship with God is indispensable to being involved in God's plans. However, it doesn't end there. We don't stay saved individuals, doing our own thing unconnected from each other. We are saved and adopted into God's family, God's community. Acts 2 verse 1 tells us that all this took place on the day of Pentecost. And Pentecost, as I said, is a Jewish celebration of the, um, the Israelites reaching the promised land and being able and of settling there and of growing crops and being able to give God their first harvest as free people. It's a celebration of them finally being um, God's nation, God's people in their own land. And verse 5 says, Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And at a time when these individuals had been scattered across different nations, and that they were gathered in one place, God decided to pour out his spirit and find his church. He could have easily done that in everyone's homes and countries, and it would have saved a lot of traveling but he didn't. He chose to do it when they were together in one place. And I believe that is because he wants us to be a people. First Peter 2 verse 9 says, but you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. The you here is the plural form, and we don't really have that in English, but we do in Northern Irish. Usins are a chosen people. That usins may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. 
And I sense this morning that God wants to remind us that we are not solely individual Christians trying to do this following Jesus thing on our own. He is reminding us that he has gathered us. He has chosen us as his people in Carrickfergus in 2023. And being a gathered people is not an optional add-on. It's in God's original design. He wants us to be together. And in verse 38 of Acts 2, Peter calls out to the crowd, repent. And N.T. Wright translates it as turn back. And last week I sensed that God was asking us to turn back, to repent from choosing our way and to choose his way. And as I sat with this passage, I sensed again God's invitation to us here in Carrickfergus Vineyard to turn back, to turn away from doing faith on our own, to turn back and come towards God and his community, come be a people together again. God's foundation principle was a people, a usance, but for what purpose? Peter encouraged the crowd in verse 40, save yourselves from this crooked generation, to turn away, to be saved from this culture, this way of living and embrace God's way. God wants us to be different from the culture around us, to radically change us from the inside out. And Romans 12 verse two in the message puts it this way. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. God wants to grow us in maturity, to form us according to his ways, not the ways of our cultures. Becoming a mature follower of Jesus, or the technical term spiritual formation, that could be a year-long series in, in, in itself. And if you 242 gives us a brief picture of some of the foundational practices they adopted together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Apostles' teaching. We're not told exactly what the apostles' teaching was, but we know that Jesus told the disciples to teach um, them, everyone, to obey everything I have commanded you. He said that in Matthew 28. And they taught the believer, or, so the apostles taught the believers what Jesus had taught them. This was a new way for um, the believers, a new way to live, work, relate to people. They needed to, be, they needed to learn about it. They needed to be taught about it. So together they learned about this new way. And then the next thing it says is fellowship. Such a churchy word, isn't it? Um, and the word in the original, original text is koinonia. And it means community, partnership, and um, participation. Its idea is sharing and intimacy, knowing and being known, going beyond the surface. The believers shared their lives and their faith in Jesus with each other. And then the third one was breaking of bread, also sounding very churchy. But it really means that they ate together. They shared their meals together. And I like how the NLT translates 
it says, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. And as they shared the everyday staples in their diet of bread and wine, they um, were intentional about remembering the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. In what we would call the Lord's Supper or communion, they shared their everyday ordinary lives together like mealtimes and placed Jesus and the cross at the center of it all. And lastly, prayer. They adopted the pattern of the Jewish prayers, which included using the Psalms as worship, um, and then including later on in the second century, the Lord's Prayer into the mix. And together, the new believers prayed and worshiped together. So they, they listened to some teaching. They had fellowship. They ate together, including the Lord's Supper, and they worshiped and prayed together. And the church has been doing these four things in some shape or form um, ever since. And they've become tried and tested ways to help us grow in maturity as followers of Jesus. And um, I like um, what N.T. Wright says about the practice of these four things. Um, just to let you know, I do read other things than N.T. Wright. It was... Um, it's just that I find him very quotable. Um, I have been gifted recently a whole stack of commentaries, which is amazing because there's like shelves now full of interesting books that Dave wouldn't let me bring into the house. But um, I just find that N.T. Wright, when it comes to this, is very quotable, just to let you know this isn't a sermon all from N.T. Wright. Um, but without teaching, um, individuals can quickly revert to the worldview or mindset of the culture around them, forgetting Jesus. Without fellowship, individuals can, be, can become isolated and find it difficult to sustain a living faith. Without breaking bread together, we fail to proclaim that Jesus' death and resurrection are the center of everything. Without prayer, we forget that we, we are Christians, um, that we Christians are supposed to be heaven and earth people. I'm not saying that these are the only four things we do as Christians, collect all four and we get our mature card and a faith mission book token. Um, but verses, and verses 43 to 47 of Acts 2 also discuss other ways they lived out the way of Jesus. But I believe that these four things are a good start, are good foundations for us individually and as a community. In Acts 2, we see, people, we see the people of God forming a community centered on Jesus for the purpose of growing as mature followers of him. And back to that N.T. Wright quote from earlier, get down on our knees and ask what isn't happening that should be happening. Starting with these four things, I'd encourage you to prayerfully ask what isn't happening that should be both for yourselves and for us here as a community of believers here in Carrick. And in one of the days of prayer and fasting over the summer, I was asking God um, some questions. I was looking for um, some direction and his response was really strange. I sensed he was inviting me to stand at the front and worship him on a Sunday. Now, in our Northern Ireland culture, across the board, not in church, we do not like to sit at the front. Do we really? No, sit all the people in the back row. Um, so I was a bit annoyed that God was not up on our cultural um, nuances. 
and he wasn't really giving me an answer to my question. But I've done it twice now, and I have, con- well, three times now, I have encountered God powerfully in worship. And he's been answering my question in both those times, and I'm learning again and again that his way is better. Maybe he's asking you to not just go to a life group, but try some kind of sharing more about your life. Maybe he's asking you to spend more time learning about his way by reading um, the things Jesus taught about or taught in the Bible. Maybe it's inviting new people in our church around for a cuppa and listening to their faith story and sharing yours. And particularly, can I encourage all you men go into the chili and crack night to take the opportunity together um, to practice some fellowship and break some bread together as well as have some fun? Do not leave it up to Brian and the guy Sharon to mention Jesus. But for each of you, think about what could it look like to share a bit about what God has been doing in my life over garlic bread and Coke Zero keeping Jesus at the center. What is our reason as Christians and the church for gathering, if not to encourage and help each other live the way of Jesus, to become mature in our faith and remind each other that we are a usins, we are the people of God. Next month, um, Dave and I will be married for five years. We are a baby married couple in comparison to some of you out there. And on the 20th of October, 2018, Dave and I started a new life together. We became an us, a totally new way of living from our previous single selves. Um, I wasn't just squeezing Dave into my life. We are building a life together. And as I read Acts 2:42, the word devoted jumped out at me. They devoted themselves. This was not the new believers trying to squeeze some Jesus into their lives. This was them changing their lives completely. Jesus became the center and everything else was built around that. And before he met Jesus, Peter and his brother Andrew were fishermen in Galilee, an occupation for not so well-educated man. And in Acts 2, we see Peter preaching powerfully before this crowd and 3,000 people becoming Christians. And we know that he led the church from Jerusalem and he went on missionary journeys to Antioch and likely Corinth. And he ended up in Rome where he was crucified for following Jesus. This isn't about putting more stuff into our calendars. Oh, here is just some more stuff I have to do in my week and then just resenting it all the time. This is about total life change. And I read Romans 12, verse 2, and this is Romans 12, verse 1. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. The believers in Acts devoted their lives to Jesus, and he reshaped it entirely. And this is why I think the words of N.T. Wright are so important. We need to get down on our knees. We need to ask Jesus what he wants um, for our lives. So we're not just doing stuff for the sake of it. Peter gave up his job to lead the church. And it's going to look different for everyone. I need to ask Jesus what it looks like in 2023 for me, Kate Crosby, to follow him. 
And each of us, I would invite you all to do the same. But I know that it won't look like squeezing him into our already busy lives, but it will look like devotion. On our wedding day, Dave and I made vows to each other to love each other in good times and bad, for richer and poorer, and in sickness and in health. And the word for devoted in the original Greek in this passage does not mean to hold hands and stare lovingly in each other's eyes. It means to attend constantly, to persist, to persevere in, to continue steadfastly in, to continue to do something with intense effort despite difficulty, to dig in, work hard, roll up our sleeves and keep going. And community isn't easy. Being the people of God isn't straightforward. And if you read the rest of the New Testament, you will see the phrase one another come up over and over again. In fact, 59 times it is used as a way of how and how not to relate each other as the people of God. For example, love one another, don't slander one another, encourage one another. Clearly, the early church found that being the people of God was difficult at times. And we need to be realistic that we will also find being the people of God difficult here in Carrick. There are people in this room I would never know if it wasn't for Jesus. That's because they are re- you are really weird. You like running. You like running in parks, in roads, and timing yourselves and trying to get better at it. Whereas I like sitting and thinking about the wool that I've bought and what I'm going to do with it and then thinking about buying more wool. Um, So we never, our paths would have never crossed if it wasn't for our shared faith in Jesus and for living in this area. So of course being God's community here in Carrick Vineyard will be challenging at times. We have different perspectives, different tastes, different personalities, different differences. 1 Peter 5 verse 5, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. There will be people we struggle to understand because of their language, culture, background. And we see in Acts 2 verse 8, the first church was a group from completely different parts of the world. Mesopotamia, Rome, Egypt, Libya, Ephesians 4 2, be patient with one another. There will even be people who annoy us and we will annoy them. I know, you can never be annoying. We will rub each other up the wrong way. We will say things we will regret and we will sadly hurt each other. Ephesians 4, 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgive you. And as a community, we're about pursuing God's way above all other ways. And he is inviting us to devote ourselves, to keep going in the good times and the bad, in sickness and in health, in richer and poorer, to being his people and following his way. And just a side note that what we see in Acts 2, 42 to 47 was the devotion of new believers. There was an excitement and a need to immerse themselves in this new way so that they could better live the way of Jesus in the middle of the culture they were in. Verse 46 says, they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. This gathering didn't last forever. As persecution of the church began, we see in Acts 8, it it forced the believers out, scattering them to different places. 
And we can see throughout the history of the church that how we have been together as the people of God has varied throughout the ages. The how changes, meeting at the temple every day, but not the what or the why, gathering to become mature followers of Jesus. So what does it look like for you to be devoted to being part of God's community in Carrick in 2023-24, stroke because we're near done? For some, it may be that you need to not give up on the people of God, but to persevere out of love. For some, you may need to continue steadfastly. And for some, you may need to put in um, some effort, maybe not just a bit of effort, but intense effort. For all of us, we need to keep going. We need to keep being the people of God. Ban, do you wanna come up? As I said at the start, COVID has tried to shake, shake the foundations of faith and some stuff has come down, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Alexander Ventner wrote this 23 years ago and I think it still applies. God is increasingly shaking all things, so though what cannot be shaken may emerge, only that which is a true manifestation of the kingdom, what is built on the rock of Jesus and on our lived confession of his kingship will be revealed as unshakable. All other things will collapse like a house of cards. As the dust settles, what is emerging? What kind of people is God wanting to reveal to Carrick Fergus? What kind of community does he want us to devote ourselves to? And are we going to put in the intense effort to help him build that? Just before we, we worship, the band are gonna play for like 30 seconds to a minute, it's not gonna be the earth. Um, and we just wanna, I just wanna leave you that space to have you ask that question of God, what is happening or what, um, what's not happening that should be happening? To, I get on your knees and ask him. Because as the quotable N.T. Wright puts it, the gospel hasn't changed. God's power hasn't diminished. People still need rescuing. And as the foundation church embraced their new identity, as the people of God, as they gathered together with Jesus as the center, as they devoted themselves to becoming mature followers of Jesus, God responded, Acts 2, 47. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved.